Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. And welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. Uh, this is another of our CIC uh, CMP Conclave editions, and we're going to be talking with uh, another presenter at the conference coming up in Baltimore uh, on the 16th through the 18th. Uh, I believe her session is on the 17th. We'll ask her that in just a second. But uh, Janae Pelletier is the um, CMP uh, MBA uh, DES uh, COO of Conference and Logistics Consultants. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, John. Pleased to be here. Well, it's great to have you, and thank you for taking time to, uh, to talk with us. And I, I think your, your session is, is going to be uh, really interesting to folks, and we'll dig into that in just a second. But I wanted to just give you a chance to introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, like you said, my name is Janae Pelletier. I am the Chief Operating Officer at Conference and Logistics Consultants, which is a full-service meeting management company. We're located in Annapolis, Maryland, and we primarily focus on association clients. We have about two dozen clients that we handle meetings of all shapes and sizes for, but a lot of annual meetings in the 1,000 to 4,000 person range. I actually started my life in uh, sales and marketing like many of us did. I actually I moved to Washington, D.C. I thought I was going to go to law school, much to the dismay of my parents. I did not. But I ended up um, working in sales and marketing, supporting trade shows for an international organization, spent about five years doing meetings for the National Institutes of Health. And then for the last 10 years, I've been working at Conference and Logistics, managing association meetings, like I said, of all shapes and sizes. Boy, I, I can imagine the, uh, the past 10 years have been a really interesting ride working with associations. <laughs> You know, it has been very interesting. I, I think many of us who started our careers in the you know early 2000s, and I know there are sort of a, a big class of folks my age that have been doing meeting planning for 15 or so years. You know, when I was doing government meetings in the early 2000s, the hotels couldn't give the space away. You know, I could mm -hmm. get anything I wanted, any rate, any dates, it didn't matter. And so I think for those of us that kind of came of professional age during that time, because of the economy in the last couple of years, I've had to really adjust my expectations. You know, it's a very different market now and at I, I can't get what I used to be able to get anymore. And as a planner, I've had to really change how I present my business and that's part of what this session will be about well and that that leads us very very neatly into uh into the session which is uh budget-driven meeting planning contracts expenses and your career uh, which i think is is just a great title because it brings it around to the focus on the planner's career and how this fits into them progressing along in the industry and in their job and in their company or their association so i think that's awesome and um you know, we were, we were talking about when things were a little bit different not that long ago, and um, I go back clear to the 80s when I started out uh, in the business. But do you think that this attention on budgeting, which I've noticed more and more, is sort of a holdover from like 2008 when the economy had all of the problems? Or do you think this is really just more of a natural evolution in our industry of what's needed or necessary to be focused on? 
I think that the uh, economic difficulties in, in, you know, five years ago put a focus on the strategic aspect of meetings and the financial importance of meetings. But I really do think this is the natural evolution of our industry. You know, I'm very proud to be a part of an industry that is coming of age. You know, for the first 10 years of my career, I'm pretty sure my parents thought I was a travel agent <laughs> because, you know, meeting planning wasn't really a recognized job. Right. And I think all of the work that's been done in the you know the last 10 15 years of you know some of the work that's done by the meetings mean business coalition and the development of the standards for the CMP exam and the recognition of that as an accepted practice in our industry i think all of that has really pushed our mean, our our industry into a, a maturity a level that it where it wasn't before and so i think as the industry matures and as our professionals become more seasoned and more strategic i think talking about the financial aspects of meetings is a natural progression of what should be happening and i you know i'm excited and and very happy when i hear meetings professionals talking about the budget because for a lot of people it's a very scary thing right. you know no nobody goes into meeting planning because they want to be an accountant right you know and <laughs> so sometimes i think especially new folks to our industry that obligation kind of comes as a surprise to them mm -hmm. um you know sometimes folks come in to begin um, coming into the meetings industry because it's a fun industry. You know, it's a, there's a lot of opportunity to travel, meet new people. It's a very glamorous and sexy industry. And so I think sometimes when you come from that perspective, when you're handed a, you know, $2 million budget and you have to make it balance at the end of your show, I think a lot of planners aren't really equipped with those skills. So I think it's great to have us talking about them for people to know that that's part of their, um, you know, part of what will help them get to the next level in their career. And it's, it's interesting because as you were talking about the industry maturing and, um, and all of the, uh, what's come before and where we're at now and kind of where we're headed toward, it's, I've found that theme running through so many of the uh, sessions, the educational things. Um, people are establishing standards, just like the CMP test and the way that the CIC is working on APEX, which we've talked about on a couple of podcasts. And um, just bringing all of that up to where even um, Carol Krugman, who teaches, is working on you know formal programs so that we're getting recognition as an industry at the upper levels of companies as it being a real discipline and as it having something that has real standards to work within. So it just, this fits right into that same conversation that I'm seeing happening all over the industry. That's great. Um, would you say kind of the overall message though of the session here that, that we're talking specifically about is kind of looking at your meeting through different eyes are looking through the financial filter at your meeting and figuring out how to make the best of what you've been allocated? I think that's definitely true. You know, I, I think if starting from the moment you start to source your business all the way through logistical management and then closing out your show, you know, if you're 
if you have a perspective on the finances as you're going along, I think it, it makes you much more valuable to your organization. And there are a lot of management tools that you can use as you go along to help you manage those expenses. And so the session that I'll be presenting is about starting with your RFP, talking about how you, you know some terms that can be negotiated, maybe some terms that people don't always think about mm-hmm. when they're negotiating their contract, but that could, you know, everyone's always focused on the dates, the rates, the attrition, but there are so many other components of your contract that um, can be negotiated and would be a real win for your organization if if you needed to, you know, deposits and some of those other kinds of things. Right. Um, and then we'll also talk a little bit about using Excel as a timeline and a um, using it to manage both your budget and your ordering makes it really easy to check your BEOs, to make adjustments, and also to build a really good history for you as you go back through um, prior years. You don't have to dig through, you know, 400 pages of BEOs. You can take a quick look at your budget and see how many of something you ordered. You know, I don't know how we'd survive without Excel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some people are really scared of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just a tool like anything else. So you just have to figure out how to tame it and make it work for you. <laughs> so I have some ideas for that. Uh, great. Any, any quick tips you'd want to share? Because I know part of your session is about building this budget template that you can carry forward. That's true. But I do. One of the things that I started doing about um, 10 years ago is using Excel to create both create and submit my food and beverage orders. Um, I know a lot of planners use it to, you know, manage their budget, but then there might be a separate document that they use to create their menus. I actually, when I'm turning in my um, food and beverage orders, I actually send an Excel spreadsheet right to the hotel or to the convention center, which does a few things. It lets them know right off the bat that I'm paying attention to the money. Um, It also makes it very easy for me to check when things come back because you know a lot of times some of the hotels especially um, some of the smaller hotels a lot of that stuff is put in by hand so even though you get a BEO and it says you know 15 of this at $12 and it gives you the total and then the gratuity and the tax some of that is still hand entered at some properties so it's very easy for somebody to make an arithmetic mistake and so all of that you know if you're using Excel to create and submit your orders it's very easy to put the two side by side and check it and make sure that everything's adding up. Excellent, excellent stuff. Yeah, I, I've I've spent a long time in some sheets making things balance and finding where those errors are and that sort of thing. So um, it, it's a it's an important tool to have access to and have your hands on. Um, in when we're talking about budgeting for planners, um, I was wondering if there was maybe any areas that you find consistently people overlooking or areas that just cost people money unexpectedly that you might uh, talk about. I think some of the things that I that I have found at least for myself is you know anything on consumption particularly a bar I always want to make sure that I'm way overestimating in my budget you know I I've definitely have some groups that you know they'll hardly even have one drink per person and other groups that will you know just stand at the bar and knock them back mm-hmm. and so you know if especially if you're working with a new group it's really important to know if you're going to order something on su- consumption particularly alcohol that's definitely a place where people can get into trouble 
I know when I work on the tech side of things in audiovisual, and I know uh, it's often a discussion I have to have with clients because I tend to overestimate my labor. I would always rather come in lower on the labor than have to go back and say we need overtime or we need extra hours for these things. So in, in my own world uh, of the AV side of things, I always try and estimate, get a real schedule and try and be as accurate as I can with a, a little bit of room for uh, error as opposed to coming in so tight and having to go back to the planner afterwards and say, I need more money. I think that's a good rule of thumb no matter what. I mean, I would always rather look like a hero. Mm-hmm. So if it comes down to it, I would definitely overestimate wherever I need to so that when the bills come in, I, you know, as a third party especially, we're always having to justify you know, our expenses to the client and make sure that they know they're getting good value for the services and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always want to be able to go back and say, hey, look, I thought it was going to be $20,000, but it was only $17,000. And everyone is happy in that situation, no matter whether it's food or labor or, or any variable expense right right no that's the i i i agree with that philosophy and and i find sadly i find a lot of uh salespeople do tend to underestimate a lot of things i do is sort of like a third party where i evaluate looking at quotes and i see a lot of quotes come through that i flag just for that reason it's like there's no way two people can set this up you know or or things like that so um having that awareness and, and keeping an eye on, uh, on your variable costs is, uh, is vital. Um, you know, one of the other things I was going to ask you, um, was if a, a planner, a, a lot of people move around in the industry. So if you've moved to a new position and maybe you've inherited some contracts that someone else has signed ahead of you, um, maybe you find some things in there that have the potential to be kind of costly. Do you have any ways or ideas that they can reduce that financial hit and and work with the property and ideas that they can discuss? Sure. You know, I actually have a really good example of this. A few years ago, um, we, you know, a lot of times we tend to get organizations that somebody went on a maternity leave, never came back or some, you know, unexpected staff departure. So I do tend to get a lot of pre-signed contracts from from previous staff. And um, we actually inherited a contract with a hotel in New York where the planner had way overcommitted the food and beverage. Um, And taking a look at the contract, it was obvious why she had to do that because she was trying not to pay room rental and she was trying to keep the room nights in a comfortable place for them. Um, But they had, it had been overcommitted by several hundred thousand dollars compared Mm. to what the organization typically spends. And so, you know, I think in a in a situation like that it it's all about the relationship with the property and being honest you know at the end of the day they the hotel or the convention center does not want you to have a bad experience right. you know they want you to have a good meeting they want you to come back they want you to tell other colleagues that you had a good meeting there i mean no property wants to be the one that was out there and everyone said boy they wouldn't work with us you know that news spreads really fast sure. and so um in that situation we i i called the hotel and i said look this is this is a real problem you know this group doesn't have a few hundred thousand extra dollars and so we took a look they had um we actually shifted the pattern of the meeting. We compressed the move in and we ended up paying some money in rental, uh, but it was less than the organization would have paid in food and beverage because a lot of times you can offset um, food and beverage to room rental about four to one because, of course, room rental is just straight up profit for the 
for the facility. Um, And in the end, we were able to come to an agreement. It was, I mean, the association had to really work at it. You know, they had to be willing to change their pattern. They had to be willing to shift their move in. But in the end, it saved them almost $200,000. Wow. So I I think it's, you know, you have to be honest with the property. I I think the days of, you know, combative negotiation are over. You know, you really have to be willing to partner with the facility and say, this is what we need, especially if you're coming in new. I mean, I feel like everyone has carte blanche once or twice to say, hey, I'm new and I found this and I want to try and solve it, you know. and so to really treat the facility as a partner and say, this is what we need. How can we get here? And realize that it's going to be about give and take. Right, right. I, I think, you know, any, any transparency that we can add to the discussions is, is useful as well. And like you say, just coming in and being honest about where you're at in the position, to me, that goes a long way. It's like, let's find what we can do to make this work. And, and, and most properties are willing to do that. You know, like I said, at the end of the day, they don't want you to have a bad meeting. You know, they don't want to be the property that was out there that, you know, everyone is talking about how inflexible they were. I mean, you know, the economy is good now, but just like everything, it's going to change. So, you know, most, especially um, convention size properties, you know, there aren't that many. It's not it's not that big of a business and word does get around. So, you know, most properties, they do want to work with you if they can and where they can to make sure that you're getting what you need. Well, it sounds, uh, it sounds like there's just a wealth of information in your session. I, I'm really uh, looking forward to uh, being in Baltimore and having a chance to drop in on it. Oh, that'll be great. Now, I, I, you said it was on the 17th, but it's actually on the 18th. It's, it's on Sunday morning. Ah, my mistake. I'm sorry. I was judging by the placement where it was in the list (laughs) so now i mean i promise it won't i know we're talking about budgeting at at 8 45 on sunday morning but i promise it's not going to be dry we'll have a good time (laughs) no it 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 uh, it looks like really important stuff to get up for and to to be there because again you're talking about your career and you're talking about your ability to advance in the industry and and this is just an area that has a lot more importance placed on it than it did 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And I think it's the difference between, you know, being at the strategic level and the senior level and the C level in your organization and just always being right below that glass ceiling as, you know, the manager of the meeting. I mean, I think the ability to handle the finances is what lets people take that step from the meeting planner to a strategic leader within their organization. Excellent, excellent advice, and uh, it'll be great to see you in Baltimore. Looking forward to it. Sounds great. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening today, and uh, we'll be back again with a couple more of the CIC podcast editions before uh, Baltimore happens. So uh, please listen in and uh, send us your comments or comment online. Thank you. This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-N, at strategicmeetingtech.com.
www.thinkingdigital.com. Thanks for listening.